So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Get ready to hear God speak to you. And when, you got, when you're there and you got your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 4, please say amen. All right. One person is ready. All right. Let's go. Let's go. I often have a saying, and you're going to learn it now. If you can't say amen, I want you to say, ouch. Okay. So depending on how the Holy Spirit's going to convict you, that's between you and God. I don't know. I'm just called to tell you what he says, okay? Some of you will be amen, and some of you will be, ouch. Hey, it's okay. The Lord loves you, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We ask that you would bless our time together. Magnify yourself through your servant. Convict every heart to hear every ear to be open, every heart to draw closer to you, and God, that we might be transformed to look like you, to be that picture of Christ for all eternity, Lord, until you come. We thank you, Lord, that we have been here for 175 years, and Lord, if you should tarry, God, we were going to remain faithful. And then the whole church said, amen. amen. Okay, I don't know about you. How many of you guys have ever been in a relationship with someone or a group of people that really didn't want to be there? Okay, just a few of you, all right? Everybody else is perfect, all right? No, seriously. I remember my first, I could say, my first relationship with a person that didn't want to be in a relationship. I was 10. We were in the fourth grade, okay? Not my fault. I'm going to blame her, okay? But just kidding. You ever been in a, your first job, you get hired, and you're working with a group of people, and there's no camaraderie in the group, right? I see a couple of heads nodding, so probably was like, yeah. You know, people are talking about each other, gossiping, backbiting, actually hurting you, and yet we're supposed to be a team. And work together to accomplish something. And yet you're like, man, I can't wait to quit. I can't wait to go home, man. I don't like these people. They don't like me. Why? That's not going to be us. Amen? Yeah. That's not going to be us. Unfortunately, if you've ever experienced that, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry you experienced that. It's not good. We are going to be completely different. That's our hope and our prayer. Last week, Pastor Dell introduced you to our cause, right? To love God and to love others. In the coming months, we're going to coin that so that you know what our mission statement is going to be. But it's going to encapsulate those two things. Christ said, if you want to know what the whole gospel is, he said this. You know what the whole gospel is if you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love others just as yourself, including your enemies. We're going to move on to the second part, which is our community aspect. That's the second seat we're building on. Now think about it. The church had expanded beyond the natural borders of Jerusalem, and God was using the diaspora, the dispersion of the Jews in the book of Acts and spreading the gospel. Now the gospel is going out to Antioch and to other towns beyond the natural borders of the Jewish people. It's spreading 
because they were being persecuted. And as they got persecuted, they ran for their lives. And what the, do- what the devil thought he was doing for good, God said, no, that's part of my plan. And people were like, hey, why are you running? Oh, because they're attacking me. Why? Because I'm a Christian. What's a Christian? Let me tell you about Jesus. And it spread and it spread and it spread. The mission of God was to explain his gospel to the whole world. That was his dream. You're going to see this text throughout the whole, all of scripture. I call it God's dream. And you find it throughout the Old Testament. He says this, I will be their God and they will be my people. Not just Israel, not just Jerusalem, but the whole world. Everybody in the whole world is God's desire. He died for us. And he's coming back for us if we are his. Amen? Amen. That's what he wants. For he died for us and he's coming for us. So let's go to the text and see how God said it. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 through 6 it says this. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another. In love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope and belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. Amen. That's a lot. So let's break it down because God, here's Paul's call. It's to walk. It's a call to unity as community, and community is the urgent demand to be obeyed. It is description of what you and I as believers in Christ are supposed to look like and resemble. And it's a doctrine that we all, no matter where we're from, all over the world, it's what we all agree on and say. Not because we took a vote on it, because it is truth. And I love Long Grove because of this, because in this congregation, We represent the world here in many ways. We're going to show you that. Think about it like this. If we're going to be a church made up of many peoples, cultures, customs, beliefs, we need to be held together by our demands on our lives, the way we all act with each other and the beliefs we hold to. In other words, if we're going to be a church made up of many peoples, in which we are, are we willing to build on a foundation together? Together, because this is what God is doing this year. He's going to rebuild this church and he's redoing it. Why? Because we got a great mission and a great cause ahead of us. Not simply just to, um, we have to obey, but we have to resemble and then follow. So let's see how God is going to build our community. Amen? Let's look at it. Number one, community is the demand to obey. It's the demand to obey. Verse 1, it says, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. Think about it. Here's the context. Here's the background. Like I said, the church is spreading beyond the borders. And even though God had chosen Israel to be the apple of his eye, the one that he was going to use so that the whole world might know him, the goal was always has been that everybody, the whole world, could be part of the church. Amen? So there's going to be 
and I'm going to just start picking on some cultures, okay? All right? There's going to be Irish Christians. There's David. Yay, right? He was like, why don't you call on the Irish? Okay, I called on you first today, all right? Right? We have German, we have Italian, we have Palestinian, we have Indian, we have African, we have Hispanic, we have white. Why? Because God loved the world, not just Jerusalem. He was just using Jerusalem to be the catalyst when he said, Abraham, I'm going to choose you and you're going to infect the whole world because my vision is the whole world. My heart is the whole world. He's drawing us back to him. And he says, you have to walk worthy. It could be expressed in this way. Because if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's broken down into two halves. Ready? The first three chapters is all about doctrine. It's about what God did. How he made us worthy. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is about, okay, now that I made you worthy, this is what you do with that. This is how you walk it through. And if you're in my class for this semester, remember when you see a therefore? You stop and see what it's there for. See, you're learning. All right, there you go. So we're looking back, right? Chapter 4 is looking back at chapter 3, but not only chapter 3, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And he's like, okay, here's what we're going through. Because it's like this. It's not only doctrine, it's duty. It's not only a creed, it's about our conduct. How do we live? From the Christian's wealth, it's his walk. From an exposition standpoint, like what I'm doing here, it's an exhortation. You could do this because God has equipped you because he's given you the Holy Spirit. From the indicative, meaning, hey, it's true, but it's an imperative. It's a command. You got to go. You got to go. From high society to high life, if we're walking with Christ, we're, we're good. Because the amazing theological reality of chapters 1 through 3, Paul urges the Ephesians and us to live life worthy of the calling you've received. It's just not head knowledge. It has to go beyond our head to our heart and through our hands so that people, when they see us, they go, oh, I know who those guys are. That's that Long Grove church. And they go, how do you know it's Long Grove? Because the way they walk. Amen. So I'm telling you first, we're going to get known, people. People go, oh, that's Long Grove. There's Long Grove. How do you know? Because look at them. Why? How do you know it's them? Because they look like Jesus. Amen? You got to help me preach here, okay? All right? Talk back to me. It's legal, all right? You can talk back to me, all right? I don't get mad. So here, look at the first thing. The Greek word, walk. Okay? Think about it like this, and thank God he delivered snow for me just as the illustration for this morning's um, sermon. Ta-da, it's out there. It's actually in my notes here too. When Christ walked, he walks in the light, right? And we're commanded to walk in the light. But not only walk in the light, okay, it's to step where he stepped. Now, if we had gotten a foot of snow this morning, ladies, what would you have told your husband to do? Go wash, go get clean off the car. What a thing, right? And if he doesn't have that snowblower, he's taking a step usually like this, right? And he's walking in one foot of snow, and the kids and the wife, because you don't want to fall, what are you doing? You're walking right in his steps, and you're standing there. Somebody answer the phone. It's Jesus, okay? <laughs> it's like, are you walking? There you go. 
But that's literally what this word means. Are you walking in my steps? Are you keeping abreast to me? That's literally what the word walk here means. It's not, hey, just let's go take a walk. It's like, no, where you see me step, that's where you step. That's where you go. That's what he's telling them. Also, he's telling them this, and this is what it means, right? Think about it. I don't know about you. I, when I grew up in the neighborhood, <laughs> west side of Chicago in the 70s, and we were working poor. I remember we had a chance. We went on a snow toboggan ride. I don't know where it's at, but coming from the inner city, we were somewhere outside of the neighborhood. So we were like far. It could have been Wisconsin. It could have been across the street. I didn't know. I was a little kid. All right? But we didn't have snow pants. I didn't have snow pants. You know what I had? I had two pairs of jeans and some long johns. Anybody testify? Right? Amen, right? Like, yep, right? I didn't have that. Did you have a winter coat? No, I didn't have a winter coat. I had one coat, a sweater, two pairs of shirts, and some other stuff underneath me to keep as warm as possible, right? Right? Okay. How about this? How many had... How many of you guys had those nice, thick winter gloves that keep all the snow out? You know, only one person. I had socks, okay? That's what I had. I had like two pairs of socks. Like, okay, let's go. I didn't care. You know why? Because I wanted to go out in the snow and play because I was a little kid. But God is saying this. Hey, no, 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 no. You can't go outside like that. You can't. You got to dress and get ready. You have to walk and look like me. So it's not just keeping in step. You have to clothe yourself in Christ. Amen? You got to be putting on that winter coat that can handle all the winter cold stuff that Satan sometimes throws at you. You can put the balaclava on that only your eyes are seeing, right? The thick gloves and the hat, and then you walk around like this, but guess what? You could endure, right? Because you've already been clothed. That's what this word means. Are you walking in my steps but are you clothed in my righteousness? Do you look like me? Are you ready to handle the cold? If you are, say amen. Okay. That's just the word walk. But that's this. He goes, but you got to be worthy. We get the word worthy from, in the Greek, it's called axios. Which is the root idea of weight. Okay. The word in the English, we get the word axiom, which means to be of equal weight. You know this word, even though you don't really know it. Think of a scale, right? And there's weight on one side and weight on the other. And the scale is trying to balance, right? Now you know what it is, right? Now you know what it is. It indicates that something on each side of the equation has to remain true. Paul is saying we should try to live our lives equal, to the great blessings described in chapters 1, 2, and 3. We are to be like the man who said, Christ has done so much for me, the rest of my life is a P.S. of his great work. Not that we're earning our salvation, okay? No. But it's saying, hey, how does your life reflect Christ? So instead of me, go ahead. Instead of me, Giving you an illustration, watch this. Chief Staff.
they wanted to come with me. To be honest with you, I, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day, I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what all of you have done for me. That was better than I could ever ex ex illustrate it. If you know the movie, that one soldier in true life, it was a true story. There were four brothers, three of them were lost. He was the last one remaining. And the president said, this mother's not gonna bury all of her sons, go get them. And a ranger unit, about seven or eight of them risked their lives to rescue one man, and they did. And at the end, Captain Miller's dying there on the bridge. And this young soldier, only 19 years old, is like, this was too high a price for just one life. And he goes, no. Just earn it. Make the sacrifice worthy. You understand? When you stand before God, and you all will, we all will stand before God. Whether you're a son, whether you're a believer or non-believer, you will stand before Christ. And the scales are there. Have you been worthy of the sacrifice? Wasn't it beautiful to see all those crosses of all those men who gave up everything? And that was just for us to be free. But there's one who went on the cross, and he gave up everything so that you could be eternally free. Amen? That's what it means to walk worthy. And if he could understand it as a soldier, how much more can we understand it as the children of God? That's what it means. 
That is the demand on your life. Will you obey? Number two, community has a description for us to resemble. It has a description for us to resemble. What do we look like? Verses two and three. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Remember we said we got to put it on? Before you go outside, put it on. Here it goes. What are we putting on? You're putting on humility. This is the cause to be at a lower point. In the Marine Corps, I was taught as a squad leader, you eat last. You take care of your men first. You eat last. When you, they sleep, then you sleep. They eat, then you eat. As the leader, you're last. But humility, you know, that this word wasn't even in the Roman vocabulary back in this time. Why? Because they considered humility to be, to be weak. It was something of a, a slave would do. A slave would be humble. That's what he's saying we have to look like. Simple application. Put everyone else first. Everyone else is first. And this is how we're going to live the one another commands. I'm going to love you, and hopefully you love me. I'm going to forgive you, and hopefully you're going to forgive me. I'm going to bear with you, and some of you are going to bear with me. All right? Not because you have to, but because this is what we're described to be like. Humility. The second one, gentleness. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Gentleness, humility, courtesy, consideration, meekness in the older favorable sense. Right? Because Christ said it was the meek that what? Shall inherit the earth. Meek is not weak. Meek is not weak. Meek is, hey, I could whoop you, but I choose not to, right? <laughs> right? Children, when your mom doesn't beat you or strength you with the belt, it's not because she can't. She just loves you, and she's bearing with you, right? You know? Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I'm going to hold on. It's gentleness. Look at Christ, what he said. Take up my yoke and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Christ is gentle. We are gentle. Patience, the state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. <laughs> right? Patience, steadfastness, endurance. If you don't know the prayer for this, you say, God, give me patience. And what does he give you? Trials and tribulation. Why? Because that's the only way you develop patience. If you don't know that, you're in a real shock for you, all right? You know who this is, right? Because people are supposed to be like sandpaper in our life. They're called to be your childhood friend, sometimes your spouse. Many times they're your brother and sister in Christ. They're sitting right next to you right now, you know? They are the sandpaper in your life, and your job is to be patient with them, to love them, endure with them. Why? Because it says you bear with one another. It means to regard or to tolerate, to endure. I'm going to put up with you. Why? I don't know why. God help me, you know, but I love you and I'm going to do it. Why? Because God is perfecting me through you. And hopefully God is going to perfect you through me. Amen? 
This is what we're doing together. This is how we're building community. Remember that the command is to the church, not for kids, not for your spouse, not for your in-laws, but with the church. People who don't look like you, speak a different language than you, have different tastes for food. They might even vote differently, okay, than you do. You have to endure all their stuff and love it and put a smile on it because that's how we're going to build community. We are unified. We will not let the world separate us. Amen? This is what we're called to do. How do we do this? We do it in love. 1 Corinthians 13, what? Love is patient. It's kind. It's not envy. You don't boast about it. You're not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not insist in its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures all things. Wow, you're like, I have to love you? Yeah. Ta-da! You got to love me. And guess what? I got to love you. Amen? And we have to love each other. Oh, but he doesn't look like me. Amen. Oh, but... um. You know, he doesn't vote like me. Amen. You know, so what? If he has the spirit of Christ in him and he's your brother and sister in Christ, your command is to love. Okay? That's it. Will you obey? Remember, it's a demand. Are you going to obey? Okay. Because that's what we're supposed to look like. Christ did for all of us. We need to show each other the same thing. Can you look like Jesus to each other, to people in and out of this church? Will they see Christ in us? They were said like this, preach Christ at all times. Preach Christ at all times. Use words only when necessary. St. Francis of Assisi. Okay? It's our conduct, not our words, that show the world who we are. So when we all come from a different backgrounds and we decide to build a church... Together, that reflects our community. It's our common faith that holds us together. Remember in the case, you haven't heard it. Let me be the first to tell you, in case you've never heard this. Because I always get people telling me, oh, no, you don't understand. Santiago, you don't understand. So I'm going to clarify it for you. Heaven, let me take this off so I can see you, because only you need it to read close. Heaven does not have a south side. You understand? Oh, you got to accept me. I'm like this. Like, no, you ain't. You might have been like that, but Christ reached down and grabbed a hold of you and pulled you up out of your stuff. Amen? Now you have to look like him. Not like the old you, because he's already paid it and made you worthy. Now your job is to look like him. Oh, but you don't understand. No, you don't understand. There ain't no south side in heaven. Oh, I'm from the west side of Chicago. I don't care. I don't care. And neither should you. Because heaven doesn't have a west side or a south side or a north side. It's one side. His kingdom. His heaven. His earth. Amen? Come on, help me preach this morning, okay? Help me. Last thing. Ready? Let's go. I got five minutes. Okay. Community has a doctrine to follow. Demand to obey, description to present, and a doctrine to follow. Last verses, 4 through 6. 
there is only one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who's over all and in all and through all. Amen. One body. There's only one, one body, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the cool thing is the church of Jesus Christ isn't just these four walls in the, all of us here. The church of Jesus Christ is worshiping worldwide today. And in different times, maybe tomorrow, or they already did it. But the church of Jesus Christ is worldwide. We have Africa. We have Asia. We have Latin America. And we're the church. So when you see your brother and sister in Christ, and they might look completely different than you and speak a different language within you. But when they know Christ is Lord, they're your brother in Christ. Amen? That's it. We're the church. There's one church. There's one Holy Spirit. And that spirit is the one who baptizes us and brings us into the family. It anoints us. us. It empowers us. It identifies us so that when God looks down from heaven, he sees his children because he goes, oh, yeah, the spirit lies in that one and that one. There's no spirit there. That one's not mine. If you know what I'm talking about, when you grew up this Channel 11, were you, a, uh, what do they call Channel 11 kids? The little show, right? One of these things does not look like the other. Sesame Street, yeah. You're a Sesame Street kid. Watching that, like, yay! You know, and he was saying, one of these things is not like the other. Okay. If you got Christ, you're like us. If, you, if I got Christ, I'm like you. One spirit, one hope. That's the resurrection. Only one hope. One Lord, Jesus Christ. Right? That is one Lord. That at his name, right, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. <laughs> Guess what? He's the man. He's the man. One faith, the Christian faith. I love all my people. I love people who are not Christians, and you should too. But we can't both talk about the same thing and claim the same thing and both be right. That violates the law of non-contradiction. We can't both claim to say that there's one God, and you heard our sister say it when she was baptized here, remember? She said it so perfectly when she said, I was praying to Allah, but he never answered. And when I prayed, the only one that really answered was Jesus Christ. That's the real God. And then she bowed her life to him. Why? Because there was only one faith, real faith. One baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, the moment you called on the name of the Lord, you were grafted in and you were made as part of the family, you see this in Ephesians chapter 1, seven times, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. And the predestination clause is that in him, he's going to get you all the way to heaven. All the way to heaven. Amen? Amen. We're not done. We got we're, we're on a destination. Okay? We're going somewhere beautiful to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there's going to be an amazing time. Good food. Good fellowship. We're going to see our families that have died in him because that's the promise we have in him. One God and Father of all of us, both Jew and Gentile. That was the big thing. Again, remember the context. The church is spread out before the walls of Jerusalem, and now Gentiles 
are part of the church. And they're going, oh, my gosh, the spirit fell on them like it fell on us. They're speaking in tongues like we spoke in tongues. Oh, my God, could it be that they are part of the church too? Yes. Amen? All right? Because here's a great word. Barbecue. Okay? <laughs> yes. Why? Because we're different. But yet, because of Christ, we're one. Because of Christ, we're one. Both Jew and Gentile, both black and white, both rich and poor, both Democrat and Republican, both White Sox Cubs, okay? All right? Both bears and lions, but no Packers. No Packers. No Packers. All right? Amen, right? All, all in favor, say aye. All right, okay, no Packers. All right, just kidding. Packer fans are welcome. They will be in the South Side, okay? We'll put them in the South Side, all right? Just kidding. Love you, Packer fans. Okay? Yeah, all two of you, all right? Let's be the church, church. Let's be the church. God dreams about this. He died for it. So let's build it. Okay? That's what he's using us. He's going to use us to build it, to walk worthy. So here's the thing. You, are you willing to obey? Are you willing to obey? If so, say yes. yes. That's the demand of God. Do you match the description of who God is? We're all working on it, amen? We're still there. We're still going there. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? It should give you hope and it should give you peace so that when you lay your head even down for the last time and you wake up your eye, you open up your eyes one second later, you're in his presence because that was the promise of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to get you there. Don't worry about it. Destination is preset. We are building this church on three core truths, our cause. We know what our mission is, and we're going to build it. We're thinking about number two. We'll talk today, our community. We know how we should, um, we know how we should be with each other, love one another, care for one another. And number three, our configuration. That's going to come next week when Pastor Dell stands before you and gives you the last big rock that we're building on. However, we're going to be structured so that we can do everything that God has called us to do. Here's my final question. Here's my challenge for you. Will you join us? That's it. That's your application. Will you be part of us and help us grow and be the church that God called us to be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, I thank you. Lord, that you are building a congregation, Lord, that wants to look like you, smell like you, talk like you, do everything to glorify you. And we ask that you would bless our time together. Help us to be one the way you are one, so that we might magnify your name. Not only here in this town, but all over the world. And everyone said, amen. God bless.